RadioInfluence.com. thing that I never thought in a million years would happen. happen. The champion, the challenger, here we go! This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. What is up and welcome into a new episode of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is Sunday, March the 5th, 2023, and I have got a trio of fighter interviews here on this episode of the podcast. You're going to hear from man who is coming off a victory at UFC Vegas number 70, Joe Selecki, getting that win there against Carl Deaton. Of course, initially he was supposed to take on uh, Benil St. Denis a couple weeks ago. That fight doesn't come together. Gets this matchup with Carl Deaton, so I had a chance to talk to him about uh, everything leading up to this matchup. Also, he talks about how he wants to pay it forward in his martial arts journey. Then you're going to hear from a fighter who is coming off a win on the PFL Challenger Series, Lisa Maldine, as she got a decision victory there, or excuse me, a a third-round stoppage victory on the Challenger Series. So I had a chance to uh, speak to her, talk to her about the victory uh, why she was so emotional after that fight and how she's hoping to get another opportunity in the PFL. And then the final conversation you're going to hear is with a man who is coming off a victory in the main event of FAC number 18, Markel Medeiros has had a chance to catch up with the factory X fighter, talk to him about that victory. Also what could be next for him. And also we got to a, a conversation on uh, on card game. So all those uh, conversations come here on this edition of the podcast. Of course, last night was UFC 285 and uh, man, as I, tweeted right after the main event was over wow john jones made that look easy and it's something that jones had been saying all week he had been saying that this was a mismatch and you know heading into the fight my the my big thing on this matchup and why i love john jones to win the fight was hey man francis and ganu can take down surreal gone what do you think john jones was able to do and of course uh jones only needs just a little over two minutes to get the job done there and uh man he just uh, you know it's there's no question about it. I mean, I know that there's going to be a lot of people who are always going to put an asterisk next to John Jones's name, but I thought the uh, tweet that Luke Thomas had last night really sums it all up. Where he, he wrote, John Jones took three years off, changed weight classes, and blew the doors off the top contender in a way that made it look comically easy. If he's not your goat. Your list needs updating, and I thought that was a very uh, telling there uh, tweet there from Luke Thomas. And you know, and as I was digesting everything that took place after the conclusion of UFC 285, and you know, made me think of the comments that John Jones made in the octagon after, where you know, talking about how the UFC puts the fights together that fans want to see. And I mean, look, nine times out of ten, that is accurate. Nine times out of ten, the UFC is going to do what they can to make a fight happen. But this is going to be one of those cases where we're not going to see the fight that we want to see. And, of course, the fight we want to see is John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Now, after the fights were over at the post-fight press conference, Dana White was asked if could there be a potential of a reunion of the UFC and Francis Ngannou? A lot of fans on Twitter are talking about like that that result makes them want to see Francis fight more. Is, is that, that really like completely done now? They want to see Francis do what? Fight um, Jones still even more because, because of that. Because, because of I, tried to, I tried to make that fight, yeah. So is, is, is that like completely done now? Like done. Never, never going to happen. We, we tried to make that fight with him for three years. 
You got to want that fight. Doesn't matter what the listen. We all want to see a fight. The guy's got to want the fight. Francis doesn't want the fight. You can't make him fight. And I doubt it would have gone any differently. <laughs> of course, look, that's a, a line that we hear from Dana White. Do I think Francis wants the fight? Yes, I think he does want the fight. Obviously, there's contractual issues between the two sides. And, you know, and the more and more I've thought about this whole UFC Francis and Ganu thing and, you know, and not trying to come to defense on, on either side of the equation, but there is part of me that does wonder is, you know, the analogy you hear a lot is there's three sides to a story. There's side A, there's side B, side A in this situation being Francis Ngannou, side B being the UFC, and the truth may be somewhere in the middle. Now, if you ask me who do I lean on that I think that's telling the truth, I think it's Francis Ngannou, but to me, it's, it's one of these things that I look at from a fight fan's perspective. It is just unfortunate that we will likely never see John Jones, Francis Ngannou, and after watching what I watched last night, I don't know if they, it goes much differently that John Jones would just go out there and do what he did. I mean, he was absolutely amazing. We went out there and did uh, kudos to Alexa Grosso as I'm watching that fight last night. First round, I thought she was looking very good. And, you know, and over in the fight HQ to score chat after her first round was over, I said, here comes the grappler and Shevchenko. You know she's about to go in grappling mode, and she did. And, um, you know, kudos to Grosso for taking advantage of that situation. She talked about it in the post-fight interview. That's something that they had trained for her to take the back. And then um, if you if you were still watching the pay-per-view after they did the interview with, with John Jones, and, you know, it's Anik, Rogan, and Cormier kind of breaking down what happened that night. And Joe Rogan points out the fact of if you go back and I put it up, uh, if you go on my Twitter timeline, you can see this, where when Grosso lets go of the choke, you see where pretty much three quarters of Shashenko's face is bright red. And then the lower third is all white. Just shows you how, how tough that choke that Grosso had on there. She looked great. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov and, and Jeff Nealman. That was a, a great matchup between those two guys. Bo Nickel goes out there and does what we expect out of Bo Nickel. Maybe, maybe not the the A-plus performance. I think some people may have been hoping in, in terms of that one. But, man, uh, he looked absolutely amazing. Of course, Jane Pickett's um, manager is going to file an appeal over what they believe was an illegal groin shot that led to the takedown and ultimately the end of the fight there. But, you know, I mean, look, overall, you and uh, also uh, Matthias Gamron and Jalen Turner. I thought Jalen Turner was looking really good. Just uh, you got control on the ground way too much. Uh, I did not agree with the scorecard of giving the third round to Jalen Turner. I did not get that one. Um, I thought that was a two rounds of one type situation there. But uh, Matthias Gamron does go out there and get the decision win. Uh, Cody Garbrandt uh, was not an exciting fight at all, but he did talk about an injury that he suffered leading up to this fight and also an injury he suffered there on fight day. And I, I just really thought in that third round, as much as you know, there was a lot of criticism for Trevin Jones in round one and round two for just not doing much offense, I, I was it was interesting to see on Twitter that it didn't feel like there was a lot of criticism for Cody Garbrandt in the third round of just coasting. I mean, that's what Cody Garbrandt was doing there in the third round. And just I found it really interesting that there did not seem to be a lot of people who were, uh, you know, really kind of going at Cody Garbrandt. And uh, I, I will say this, man, I, I still, I really have a lot of questions 
on whether Cody Garbrandt can be a true contender in this band of weight division. I, I know right now, if you told me they put Cody Garbrandt against somebody in the top 10, I don't think I'd pick Cody Garbrandt. That's just being honest there. Uh, Triggers two plus E's gets the TKO win over Derek Brunson, the corner throwing in the towel, which is the rare exception that you see there. And I mean, look, both those guys, uh, you know, when I did the show with Pete on Friday, I had mentioned, I said, I was like, look, I think both these guys are potential, are, are cardio liabilities. And we really did see that they're in the second round. Dragos 2 plus C's, I mean, look, he's going to get a major matchup here. I mean, this was kind of like that litmus test of how good are you? He's going to get somebody high up. I mean, obviously, Brunson was ranked number five. And uh, I will tell you this, I'll probably be picking against Dragos 2 plus C's uh, in his next matchup. Also, um, you know, some other things that really stuck out to me, I thought Amanda Hebos, first round, you know, the striking exchanges were kind of and they talked about on the broadcast like her eyes were just so wide open and then it just seems like in the second and third round but and particularly when she was really able to utilize her grappling she just became so much more comfortable on the feet but she's also someone that I do wonder kind of what her ceiling is there at uh, women's flyweight or even at, at strawweight. Uh, Marc-Andre Barrio, Julian Marquez. That was a fun fight if you want to go back and watch that one. Just uh, two guys going out there and, and slugging it out. Um, I've not watched the early prelims yet. Going uh, to watch those over here over the next couple of days. And, of course, uh, myself and Daniel will talk a little bit more about that coming up on Wednesday's episode of the podcast. But let's get into the interviews. Up first, you're going to hear my conversation with Joe Selecki. Then you'll hear with Lisa Maldine. And then the final conversation here is with Marquel Madero. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory at UFC Vegas number 70. Joe, congrats on the victory. Obviously, it was, uh, I guess, an interesting couple of weeks for you. I know you, you you put all this you know time and money and, and getting ready for one opponent, and then all of a sudden, St. Denis no longer in the fight. Now you're kind of in this limbo aspect. And I, know, I, I was listening to your interview with John Morgan, and you know, it kind of makes me think about when you're in this limbo where it's like you're kind of like damn it man like i i'm just i'm trying to get a paycheck you know hopefully get two and in this case for you you're able to get three paychecks like is it always the mindset of okay i can't go have that piece of pizza i really want i can't go have that burger i really want because something could come together oh yeah 100 you know and the thing is is it, it's it's not really an issue for me but the thing is, like, the mindset, it's clocking in and clocking out. So this camp especially, I was gone, you know, largely for at least six or seven weeks was Tuesday through Friday um, from my family. You know, one week ended up being Monday to, like, I didn't get to go home for, uh, for like, 12 or 13 days. My wife ended up getting COVID, and I just, we were so close to the fight, I couldn't really chance it. So it's just, it was one of those, like, I can't just ease off and go home and be with my family, you know? So that was the tough part, really. And then, uh, you know, around Super Bowl was when uh, when we you know we still had no opponent and everything and I was like oh man I'm like realistically not from a wanting to eat pizza and break or anything it was like but I plan refeeds throughout camp you know like like cheat meals at the end of the week to kind of you know keep the body fresh and everything and I was like I really like to know because if we aren't fighting this coming week like I really should probably have a refeed and it did not happen but you know it is what it is it was one of those things we were just glad to to get there to like you said you put so much time in and money and, and you know, fighting's the game of betting on yourself. I'm here right now at Ring of Combat, uh, you know, watching my buddy who's 2-0, and, and and he's in the act of betting on himself, you know, and uh, 
I had just sent it to my coach, took a picture of him sitting in the cage. He didn't even know it. And uh, like he was like reflecting or something. He was clearly thinking. And I was like, man, like there's nothing more pure than that. And, you know, when you get to the highest level, obviously you're investing more money and more time and stuff. But um, we're still, even though we're there and we're making money, it, it is still betting on yourself because you don't know if these fights are going to happen and stuff like that. So it was an eye opener and, and it makes you appreciative of the whole process, you know. And then by the time you get to fight week, you're just excited to be there. I was talking to a regional fighter who um, they had been on contender series and now they're back on the regional scene. And, you know, they they were like, Hey, I'm not trying to make excuses, but you know, Hey, I had a lot of things going on, a lot of injuries, but it was the opportunity of why I took that fight and said, and then I said, I was like, well, if it was a regional fight, would you pull it out? And he's like, yeah, I probably would have like when you lose the opponent and then you're just, you're just waiting for your manager to call you. Is it like, I don't care who the opponent is or does there have to be, somewhat of a business decision made of saying, is this the right fight for me to take? Well, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, on the regional scene, you probably get more pick in your opponent than you do in the UFC, you know? Yeah. So depending on who you are, of course, you know, so for us, it was a no brainer. We're going to say yes to whoever it is, but we wanted to know, we did so much front end planning. That was the big thing about being with Jeff Jimmo. Most of my campus, he's so good at mapping he just maps everything everything is a mappable skill to him and uh we had done so much front end work so then we weren't sure if we were fighting or not we're like we're not going to let a last minute switch change that you know we focused so much on me anyway it wasn't a big deal but when it got to monday of the original fight week and we had no opponent and they're like 9 15 getting maybe prospective names where it's like what do you think about this guy does he have medicals do we have, can he make the weight like he was fighting on the 25th and it was one of those things where he was like i'm putting my foot down dude like I don't think we should do anything until, you know, at least a week or two from now. And I was like, well, okay. He went to bed and then my manager, you know, Jason called and I was like, he's like, what do you think about this guy? I'm like, well, I I, I don't even have access to a coach. Like, of course we're going to say yes. But like, I was kind of told we should push this because we have no opponent, no contract. We can't get on an airplane. And, uh, you know, he said, well, what about the matchup? I said, look, if you could get a push tonight, I said, if we have to, of course, we're going to go fight. Like, uh, I'm going to fight anybody. I'm like, but if you can get it pushed and let us map this out and go into a fight with the ease, peace of mind going, we know we're fighting, um, then we can get it pushed next week. And I'm like, I'll take that executive decision right now. We'll fight anybody. Yeah, we're, we're in. And uh, it ended up getting pushed a week. So it ended up being great. It let us get, you know, just a week to get familiar with who we were fighting, but not even that as much as it was, you know, just knowing we had a fight schedule. Because my biggest fear was, we fly out to Vegas, you know, we're there a day. They go, actually, we're going to do it in two weeks with somebody else. Fly back, have to try to get back into a camp, travel, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot of logistics, but it all worked out. We controlled what we can control, which was the training and the, the weight and everything was everything was the best it's ever been. And uh, it didn't matter if it was Carl Deaton or the number one guy in the world or whoever, you know, everyone at this level is super dangerous. They deserve to be here and, and it's going to be a tough fight and I have to be the best me to beat them. So when we keep that in mind, it really did take some of the stress off. Of course, the intangibles of, you know, travel and logistics and all that was a different story, but it all worked out. And of course, part of the story of fight week is you get this blessing in disguise that you didn't know you needed on as you're cutting weight, as your, your wife shows up. And as you said, so basically the whole team knew except you. Yeah. I mean, she didn't even have it planned like that either. She said she was sitting at her desk Wednesday and was like, this is stupid. Like I should be out there. Like, this is dumb. I don't care if I go to the fight or not. Like I'm going to find a flight. And, uh, so then, but then she started texting them and they knew. Yeah. Which was awesome because it was a long camp. You know, I can do it. Of course. Uh, you know, it wasn't an issue, but it was just like by the end of camp, that extra week tacked on, we had that time period where I couldn't go home for like two and a half weeks because of COVID and just the whole nine. It was like, Oh, it's a continuation of just being away from everybody, you know, trying to FaceTime the time difference, you know, 
uh, it's just stupid stuff. They're, they're not real problems, but it's just stuff you try to juggle, you know, like when, when, you know, my wife's at work and then my daughter's at daycare and when I'm available during the day, then we're doing our training a lot of times or, you know, our shake out or whatever daily when she's putting her to bed, you're like, man, I get one phone call a day. Like, what is this prison? And, uh, so it was just nice to have her walk in. It was just a little bit of home. And, you know, we did this whole thing. I've had different coaches, different teams. We've lived in different places, but the one constant from the beginning, uh, has been her and I, you know, we've done this together. So she knows the routine. She knows what I need when I need it. And, uh, you know, just her being around her, she's my best friend. So just her being there is, uh, is everything, you know? So, um, it was just kind of disappointing going out. We're going to another one, the apex where I don't care about the crowd, but she can't be there and uh it was just awesome to have her and the ufc was super accommodating i was able to get her a ticket uh it was awesome it was really really great to look over. i looked right past Deaton across the cage and just saw her and like mm-hmm. gave her a wink and a smile like we're back at it you know it's been been quite a while it's been you know over three years so it was awesome and how much does the birth uh, of your child going to play into when you get back in there yeah you know it, it, i don't think it will i mean of course with the doing the camps away largely that you know I don't, i'd like to not you know, fight in July. That way I'm not away for the birth, but, uh, I think two months, a month, either side, uh, June would be fine. Or, you know, if you give me two months on the other side of the birth, that's fine too. You know, it just depends on what they have in store layoff wise, but, uh, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. And, uh, you know, there's bills that need to be paid too. There's, you know, there's high deductibles on health insurance, man, especially when you're self-employed. So, uh, yeah, one more before the baby comes wouldn't be the worst thing at all. Oh, well, I know. I know. You know, thankfully I, I've got insurance through my wife's work, but, uh, but yeah, I know if I, I walk to an insurance office and I can only imagine you walk into an insurance office, like, so what's your occupation? Uh, I am a, uh, personal trainer. <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm not even talking. I don't even have it. I'm talking about for the wife and two kids. I'm like, I, I got the one that matters. I got the life insurance. That's all I got. <laughs> I know my role. My job is to get out there and go out on my shield and, they cash that check, take care of them. Could you even, do you think you could, because of being a professional fighter, that someone would insure you? <laughs> I don't even know, man. It's a great question. I don't know. Not the UFC, that's for sure. I don't know. No one's insuring that. I don't know. It's a, it's a car wreck when you get in there. So who the heck knows? I, I remember back in the day, this was I mean, years ago. Uh, I was talking to Joe Stevenson. He's like, he's like, yeah, I've got, I've got insurance through, uh, through my wife's work, he goes, I'm pretty sure they know what I do. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's, I, I can only imagine what that insurance person is going to look at you and go, uh, I don't know if we can get this one done. <laughs> but, I, in, in all serious though, but would it, wouldn't it make more sense to get the fight in June as opposed to, so it's before the birth as opposed to after the birth. So then it's not, you know, then you can, you know, obviously be there on, on the, on the daily for your wife. That would be spectacular. I would love that. Uh, that would be ideal. You know, that's what we're kind of hoping for, but you know, it's one of those things where we control, what we control and back training a little bit. This week was a lighter week at deload, you know, but, uh, right back to it, you know, I'm healthy. Uh, so I think June would be great. Uh, I just, I just know that, you know, when I've had dates in mind before or reached out, it ends up being the opposite. So I'll be ready for whatever and I'll do what I got to do. You know, I'm really not worried about it. I'm excited to get back to it. Um, there's so many new, new toys to play with, you know, new techniques and, you know, new mappable skills that we can keep building on. So the training is never an issue and I'm always ready, even on short notice, I think, you know, um, so I'm really not really not stressing it. You know, I, I really am looking forward to the next one, whatever that may be. And I think June would be spectacular. You know, you mentioned, uh, I was mentioning about the interview you have with John Morgan. You were talking about like, man, there's 
all these things I've been working on and I was really looking forward to showcasing them. And then that didn't happen. Like, but do you also then look at that as the, the positive aspect of like, Hey man, I, I've had some tools to the toolbox that's not on film that at some point I'm going to be able to use it. But these opponents right now, they they don't realize those tools are in the toolbox. Oh, 100%. You know, uh, I've gone, you know, a little while and been able to show it, you know, and then every now and then it's like in case of emergency break glass, you know, even in the De Silva fight, um, you know, we both got tired and it was kind of uh, a scrap. It wasn't maybe like the most technical, you know, kickboxing or Muay Thai match, but uh, it was one of those like people were like, where did that come from? You're like, oh, I've been having wars and training, technical battles and, and stand up only, you know, like for years, like nobody's seen that. So it's like, oh, in case of emergency, break glass, you know, and, and it's funny talking to different people that follow fighting or some that, you know, you know, see more intricacies, intricacies and stuff and like. People point stuff out. Oh, that way you moved your head this time, or so some people notice and some people don't, and that's okay. You know, the other thing is I'm training for life. Like I plan on being a martial artist till I die. Um, I do plan on coaching. You know, a little bit now, of course, and then when I retire. So um, even if there's skills I never end up using, you know, it's something that I can end up using with guys that I coach. So uh, either way, it's just developing that skill set for life. So um, I don't really care. You know, I, I really don't care. I, I can never complain about going out there and getting a win, let alone a bonus. So. Uh, and here's the thing, it would be kind of ironic and foolish if I ended up getting it for something that I haven't trained my whole life. Like, I've been doing that rear-naked choke for, you know, over 25 years. So uh, it's kind of cool. That's the thing that kind of helps change my life, right? It, you mentioned about that you're uh, at the ring combat show helping out your, your teammates. So are you more nervous sitting back in that corner as, you're, as your guys are, are fighting as opposed to when you're the guy in the cage? 100% I will be tonight. Like, but it's the opposite, like, for fighting, you know, I've said, like, I'm, I'm very human until we leave the hotel room. Then, like, the performer version of me takes over. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're on the bus. I'm excited. Let's go. And then uh, it's the exact opposite. Like, today, I'm fine. I'm good. And then we're going to leave for the venue. And when we get toward the warm-up, then he's going to start to get adrenaline. And I'm going to start to be, like, this nervous Nelly. It's so funny. and Because you have no control, you know. I don't know that we have a ton of control in the fights either. Like, there's so many, you know, you're, you're fighting a guy that's not doing what you're, what you're willing. But... It's just that illusion of control. We have the preparation and all that where this case, you know, and it's also the outcome is like, I know I can bounce back from losses. I know I can bounce back from hurt and, and just being disappointed. I've done it before. You know, I don't want to, but I can, um, you don't want to see your friend go through that. Your teammate, the guy you're in there grinding with, like you'd rather take that for them than have to watch them. Cause you can't control how they react to that. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. I will definitely be a mess later on tonight and have to hide it <laughs> in terms of like your coaching style. Like how much of it is Coach Jimmo? How much of it is, you know, other guys that you're with? Like how have you molded your coaching style? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't, I'm not in that role a ton, you know, but I think definitely a lot of trying to, you know, there's Jeff's Jimmo is a one of one, you know, they, they, they don't make a lot of him, but I've been, you know, fortunate to have a lot of coaches uh, and you pick what you like, you know, I, I like everything that Jeff does. I like, you know, everything John Salter does when he's in my corner, um, calms me down, you know, very objective advice. Um, so you just learn the things you don't like. I don't like, I don't like being hyped up and, and screamed at, but you got to know who's with you too. You know, some guys need that. Some guys need, some guys, you let them go out there and just be themselves and, and just let them be chaotic. And you got to just be there to, you know, rein them in between rounds. So it just depends. But I think good objective advice is always key. And I don't think anybody's ever said I was too calm in this fight. Like I was too composed, you know? So I think just reminding guys of the stupid things is the big thing. Like the, you know, when you mount somebody that they're going to have that big burst before you can start punching and stuff, take a couple breaths, like 
full of stuff like that, you know? So, um, I've been, I've had a lot of good coaches in my life. You know, I was up here visiting my childhood lifelong coach, John Hassett last night. And, uh, you know, when I hear him talk so much of who I am is molded by him, uh, mm-hmm. and he had a great coaching style. He could teach you new techniques while you're out there. Now, jiu-jitsu is a little different cause it's a little slower, but he would walk you through stuff and you go, man, I didn't even know how to do that until he coached me like that. So, um, I think objective is best and I, I try to be the same way. Also, I know you got uh, you got a grappling show coming up, and, and, and your joke about it's like, "Hey, man, I'm a one man show here." Like these people they may not realize, yeah, that's me emailing him. So, what's uh, when's the next show coming up? Yeah, it was so funny on the plane home. Like, if this is actually Joe, I'm like, oh, it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it'll be two weeks from tomorrow, so March 18th. And that was the other thing with the the fight being pushed back. While we didn't know the new opponent, we're like, oh man, if we get pushed to March or something, like, I don't like leaving my my you know proverbial baby to somebody else to run because like i really had to do it um yeah so we're really excited for that we'll to north carolina got a lot of signups coming in for the regular tournament got super fights like a lot of talented guys coming out and uh it's really cool that's another thing it's just it's one of these things when i look back on like being a kid in martial arts like i never thought i'd be in a position to to be fighting in a ufc fight or or cornering somebody you know on their way up or uh or, you know, be running an event where, like, all the schools in town or, or even in the state are coming. Like, it's really, really cool to be in these spots and uh, doing these things. So it's just one of those things. It's a blast, you know. And, and that's another thing, like, fighting, where it's that challenge. And I do get the adrenaline. We ran around all day. I ate, like, half a breakfast sandwich and half a cup of coffee at 6 a.m. last time. I went to bed at 4 a.m. So I slept for two and a half hours the night before because I was bracketing all night. And me and my wife just ran around like crazy. And, the, you know, my buddy and his family, Matt, who's actually here with me, uh, he's sleeping, so he's not even eavesdropping. But uh, they help me run it. So we have a good team, you know, really good team. But uh, it is definitely my brainchild. So it has been uh, – and I get crazy ideas. I'm always trying to make it better. So really excited for this one. We'll see what happens. But I think it's going to be a great turnout. It, it just like – you know, I, just here in Tampa, it just feels like uh, jiu-jitsu training. You're, we're seeing more and more schools open up. And it, it just seems like at a younger, younger age that – you know, parents are getting their kids involved in jujitsu for one way or, or another. It, it, are you seeing that in Wilmington of just the rise in popularity of jujitsu, especially in, in, you know, you know, kids classes? Oh, 100%. You know, it, it's really cool too, to see, like, sometimes we get the kids that come in and their parents sign up too. And then that's a kind of like the, a bonding ground for them as they get older. And, you know, kids don't think their parents are relatable and stuff. So like when they're training together, they kind of hash out. It's kind of cool. They hash out their little issues. You know, I like it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's the best thing. You know, I really think, wrestling too i think just kids doing something difficult you know uh we were talking about that even just for myself like we were talking about like our faith and stuff i'm like man like it's so funny like a lot of times to grow deeper in their faith people need to go through you know horrible things like you know somebody being sick or losing a job and all these things i'm like how blessed am i that my hardship is manufactured hardship it's training in a gym and 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 self-doubt or you know an opponent falling out and i have to rely on my faith you're like man like what a blessing that is and i think it's it's largely for life too. Is like for kids, like it might be much easier if a kid's adversity is, you know, losing at the state tournament and having to come back next year and try again, rather than like, you know, getting beat up in school or something. So um, I really think that's one of the best things for kids is just these other sports, you get to rely on your teammates and they're fun and all that, but there's not as much adversity because you're not the guy out there having to, you know, you see these kids, they put their head down when they lose and, you know, you see them the next year and they're learning just to deal with losing or they're coming back and winning. And I mean, that's what it was for me. It was just uh, endurance. You know, it was like, it's not who's good, it's who's left. We were talking last night. I've known my childhood coach since I'm six. And so we're, we're talking about all the people that were around and this and that. And you're like, man, like this person was better. This person's better. That person could have been a world champion. And uh, 
you learn just, you know, how to persevere. And I think that's huge just in life. And I think now, you know, you know, you go to a restaurant and have somebody come wait on you. Some of this younger generation, like they got the AirPods in, like I can't remember what drink you got. And you're like, man, just the ability to endure and persevere and do something difficult, that'll take your kid. And I think they'll be in the top 10% of the country of anything they want to do, just learning those skills and critical thinking and stuff. So uh, I'm a huge advocate. I don't own a gym or anything. I'm just a huge advocate that everybody should be training. You know, of course, I want to see it at our gym, Salty Dog or Jimmo and uh, Fitness Edge. But but the point is, is like, yeah, seeing more schools pop up is just a, a benefit. I just love to, you know, to see it. It's When you were talking about, you know, the faith adversity, it made me think about, you know, growing up, the hardest sports league I played in was a church basketball league. <laughs> And it was some of the most brutal hits on a court I've ever taken. That's amazing. I th- it makes me think of Benil Dariush, like the gentlest, kindest. But man, when he fights, he's a savage. He's one of the most ruthless and violent guys you watch. You're like, what a paradox. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you see, I mean, it's 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 always to me interesting when you're when you're around someone that you know is a professional fighter, and how many times it's so people when they tell somebody, Oh yeah, I'm a professional fighter. They're like, no, you're not like, yeah, he's a really nice guy, but yeah, he's a professional fighter. Yeah. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I get it all the time. Like the daycare and stuff. Like you do what? You're like, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like, Oh, how? Like, no, no. I'm like, I know it's just, it's not even a real life skill. I don't even know how to tell you I fell into this. Like, it's just what I ended up being okay at. <laughs> like, have you ever thought about what your life would be if you weren't a martial artist? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I've had some close calls, you know, I've had some coaches that drove me to the point of being like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Like, you know, for like a day, um, you know, I had a, uh, I I dated a girl before who years and years and years ago, like one of the only people, and it was like one of those things, like had different goals for her life. I was like, Oh, maybe I could just stop training so I could save money, work more. And like, thank God that didn't happen. You know, you had those close calls and you look back, you're like, Oh my gosh, like, what would I be doing? I'd be, I'd be a disaster. You know, like I, I, I really don't think there's anything else in this world that I can be doing uh, and be satisfied, you know, and be fulfilled and, and, and feel like I'm doing what I was put here to do, you know. Um, something about martial arts, even when it's just like teaching a private lesson to a white belt, it's uh, I've had those moments where you're driving to it and you're like, oh, I don't feel like being a dummy. This guy's going to crank my arm and this and that. And you get done, you're like, oh my gosh, this was more rewarding for me than it was for this person. Like, So it's just more, something about it. It's just, I don't know. It's how God made me, I guess. I don't know. It's just the only gift I have to be able to pay forward. And when I left John Hassett as a kid, he, every time I text him, thank you for something, he's like, pay it forward, pay it forward, pay it forward. You're like, all right, I guess that's the mission. And when that, that third uh, direct deposit hits, that former said night bonus makes, it makes life a little easier too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing is, you know, you go through a camp or something and there's always that temptation of like, well, maybe I can just start a gym, you know, this and that. And then, you know, you go, oh, yeah, like, there's, look at the opportunity in fighting, you know, like, you can change your family's life in one night, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I love that, uh, you know, I think it was a horrible movie, people say, I think it's a great movie, even, even though, Rocky Five, right, he's like, you think I have a chance, he goes, man, if you got two fists and a good heartbeat, you got a chance, you know, and that's really true, like, in fighting, you never know, like, yeah. you can be in a room with a, a Division One athlete, and you can be a flat-footed, unathletic guy, and you can both be grateful. You have, if you got heart and dedication and, and you're willing to gather and, and scrap, you can really change your life. It's crazy. I mean, look, how many times have we seen someone who is a jiu-jitsu specialist and they've just worn down the third round? And uh, I think of Rodolfo Vieira a couple years ago when Anthony Hernandez submitted him in the third round. No one saw that one coming, but the, the gas tank went out on him and – he got submitted. I mean, anything we can happen. We were literally talking about that fight either today or last night. One hundred. It was literally the same as that conversation. It was like, 
it's not the better guy is not always going to win. You don't need the skill sometimes. Sometimes you just need to find a way. Yeah, I mean, who who would who would say Brandon Allen is a better jujitsu artist than Andre Muniz? Nope, nope, exactly, one hundred percent. That's the perfect example. Yeah, and he goes out there, and I remember I'm watching the fight. I'm like, man, I wonder if he's going to submit him in the third round. Like it was like <laughs> it was like towards the end of the second round. I'm like, man, he's he's got this top control, and I go, I just wonder. Then third round, he, he pulls it off. Yep, it was it was incredible, and that's that's a testament to his will and and putting all the pieces together to make him a great fight. He's a better fighter. He's not the better jujitsu guy. He's the better fighter. Now, now that leads me to think: Were you sitting in the maybe back of your hotel room, going, oh, "Man, I don't know if that fifty k bonus is going to come anymore." Yep. So our thought process was this: We said, "There's no." I think the Odie Osborne fight was pretty good. I, I didn't see it, but yeah. it wasn't as chaotic as maybe a fight of the night typically is. So we were we were like, "All right, four finishes." We're good. They're going to do four performances tonight. That's our hope. And then we're watching on the way in the Uber, on the way to dinner. I'm like, okay, well, two boring rounds. I'm like, we just need an eye poke in the third. No contest. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, all right, it's been boring, but definitely out. Not boring, but, you know, pretty steady. And I'm like, yeah. Alan's been out. This is good. And then he's on his back. And then he chokes him at dinner. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, not a chance. The second fight of the night is being remembered for a bonus with all of these finishes. And then uh, we were at dinner, and that's when Jason looked up and was like, you got the bonus. And I was like, what oh it's awesome but i'm kind of you know i'm kind of like always kind of here even keeled my wife she's like what did he say what did he say she lost it and then he reminded me of a recorder for my my casey crying chronicles on instagram which was clutch that out of all the things the manager that was the best thing he could have done was remind me for that because that was hysterical in my opinion i i don't know if you saw ode uh he put a picture and uh he talked about uh, jason's uh doppelganger being uh, <laughs> gary, gary v I saw that. That was hysterical. I literally, I saw it. I texted Ed Cap going, come on, this is spot on. <laughs> That's awesome. That was I saw it on Twitter, yes. Yeah, right when I saw it, I started laughing. I was like, oh, my God. I, I was like, I could not believe it. I've never. I, and, like, he had the Jason attire down to the yep. T, too. Yep, 100%. 100%. Anyone who's seen Jason, they, they know what that attire is. So, uh, but yep. uh, Joe, man, as always, appreciate the time. Good luck tonight uh, with your fighters. And, of course, uh, anything else you want to mention, man, go ahead, man. No, man, thanks for having me. It's always great talking with you. Um, yeah, I, yeah, just all the gyms, you know, Salty Dog Jiu-Jitsu in Wilmington. If you're toward the Charlotte area, Gym O, uh, Fitness Edge MMA in Myrtle Beach, they just, I wouldn't be here fighting without them. And everybody has this Jiu-Jitsu up here in New Jersey. I got to go home last night and – there's nothing like that homecoming, man. And just seeing my lifelong mentor and uh, just get to be around it again, you know, and uh, learn some good stuff too from from back control last night. So always a blast. If anybody is watching and would want to go follow my grappling tournament, we're going to start to take it on the road here soon. So uh, all in grappling. And uh, that's pretty much it. Of course, I want to thank my wife for everything that she's done for me. Uh, you know, I would, would not be here fighting or doing any of this if it wasn't for her. So uh, yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. It was great talking with you. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a fighter who's coming off victory at the PFL Challenger Series this past week. Lisa, appreciate the time. You know, uh, you know, it's going back and, and, and watching the fight. Um, you know, obviously, take you got you got the fight ground. I mean, within the first like five seconds of this matchup, uh, was that simple? Was that simply the mentality of hey, once this fight goes in, I'm going close to the distance and, and get this fight to the ground as quickly as possible. Yeah, uh, that was the game plan, actually, to take her to the ground. My coach didn't want me to really exchange with her because he felt like that was her strength. So definitely the game plan was to take it to the ground. Were you... I actually uh, it was going to be more difficult <laughs> given the fact that she fought against Laura Gallardo. 
probably saying her last name wrong. And she's a really good wrestler. And I felt like her defense was, her wrestling defense was really good against her. And I was like, all right, that's what I'm expecting. So these are not going to be easy takedowns. And they came relatively easy. Yeah, I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, like, hey, was that the biggest surprise of you know maybe you you expected more out of her takedown defense? Um, I did, and also when I did take her down, I did not expect her to be so like her grips to be so strong. Like I couldn't break her grips from like trying to punch her. She had like really strong grips. <laughs> I was like, shit, and then I was worried because. The guy, the ref was like, we're going to stand you up. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, going to stand up after, you know, working for that takedown. So, yeah, I was overall, I'm just happy. I did not expect to have a TKO, honestly. I thought what every, every all the commentators thought, I thought it was going to be a bloodbath. I thought it was going to be, like, a tough, you know, like, She's going to like land some heavy shots and I expected what they expected, but I, you know, when you stick to your game plan and you really like are on your game plan, shit works out. <laughs> so, you know, when she was on her back, she was, you know, throwing up various submission attempts. Was there yeah, any of those submission attempts that you felt like, you know, there were, you know, significant attacks or, or you just kind of felt like it, it looked like it was. Um, uh no i saw like in the lower guy fight with uh with helen she did throw up those type of uh submissions and those are actually the ones that i had been drilling just in case she had thrown those up and she did so i was prepared for it it wasn't a surprise um i actually didn't expect the Plata one that one i was like oh crap okay <laughs> but a little adjustments got out of it and so things worked out <laughs> And it was the first time we had seen you in competition in a while since that, that LFA matchup. Uh, you know, what was kind of, did you have a, a different mindset at all heading into this one? Yeah, I had to change my mindset completely. Um, I was very, I'm not going to lie, a little bit bitter after that LFA uh, fight. So, um, you know, obviously, who doesn't want to win? Everybody wants to win because, you know, you not only you put, like, you don't want to win, but you put all this time and work and dedication all in, you know, all in your camp. So, and then not only that, when you lose, I was just talking to Helen too about it too. Like after you lose, you have all these freaking injuries you have to deal with too. You feel like an extra loser, you know, have cuts here. You have a bum knee and you're like, I lost. So yeah, I, that's how I felt in my last fight too. I had like a, huge ass cut in my mouth and I was just like I'm a loser <laughs> but uh no yeah I'm just happy that I worked out the way it did sorry and, and of course this marks your first uh TKO win of your of your career you, you mentioned about you didn't expect it to kind of come that way and uh was it something the sequence that ultimately did, was a ref kind of saying something like hey you know move because you were really uh, telling the broadcast there were some situations where he was like, all right, I need more action or you need this, but she had fucking good control of my, I'm sorry for cussing. Oh, that's really good. good wrist, and I was like, I couldn't really be active with my hands at some point. 
at some points. So I was like a little bit worried. And then I, at one point I was like, I'm in her guard. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna knee her in the ass. <laughs> so I started kneeing her in the butt. So I was like, I'm doing something. <laughs> but yeah, so the ref, I actually really appreciate this ref because all of LFA's, oh my God, they were always quick. The moment it got to the ground, they wouldn't let us like work. They were quick to stand us up and it's like, that's frustrating because for any fighter, if you're working so hard to get this person down and they have good defense and you finally get them down and they stand you up, it's like, what the heck, you know? Put all that work and to get them down and they stand you up, you know, it's frustrating. That's what they did to me in my last, but not this last fight, but the fight before and I was just, it sucked. And after the win, you're you're very emotional, uh, you know, following that win. Was was there a reason, you know, what kind of the, the emotions just came out? Uh, yeah, I didn't expect to freaking cry the way I did, but when you feel a certain way, you feel a certain way. Um, damn it, I'm not going to cry today. I'm not. But uh, I told myself, no more crying. I got to get over that um, so the day I actually found out about this fight, um, my mom called me in the morning and she was like, Lisa, your brother passed away. So I, I'm not going to get into detail, but she told me that our, you know, my brother passed away and she just started bawling, crying. I started crying and we just talked about what happened. And, um, so I put a lot of emotion behind this camp. Um, I did like stray away from feeling those emotions, but I couldn't help it but at some point because, you know, you can't help it. But I think for the most part, I had to like shelf that away and focus on this fight. And then it's like, I don't know why, but the moment is it like a sense of relief. And then I'm like, I can feel this way now because, you know, I was putting it that aside for so long and then yeah, it was just happened like, and then like the next day I called my mom and I was just bawling to her because I couldn't do that to her at the time. So I was trying to stay strong and, you know, play a poker face. But I called her the next day, I'm eating breakfast and starting here, I was just bawling my eyes out and she was just understandable and she was crying too. We we're just having a moment on the phone. I was, I was like, I'm sorry, I just couldn't be able to like feel this way and I'm feeling it now and I wasn't able to and she completely understood. So my brother's memorials this weekend on Saturday. Condolences yeah. to condolences to you and your family. Speaking of the relationship with your mom, was mom always on board with you being a fighter? Oh yeah. She, my mom's always been supportive. She's always like, uh, get that baby. Oh, she's just always been on, yeah, she's like my dad. She's always been supportive and never like, you shouldn't be doing this or any of that kind of stuff. She's always been supportive. If anything, she's like, get that bitch. She's like screaming. <laughs> I love my mom. You know, does she come to a lot of your fights when she has the opportunity? Yeah, if it's in town or if it's in the area, she's always there. My family's always there. Friends as well. Is there, is mom that, that parent that she's into watching the fight or is kind of like the head down, just you know, kind of hoping that her, her daughter's going to end well? 
my mom's the type would be she'd be screaming profanity she'll be like get that bitch my mom was crazy <laughs> my mom's <was> nuts <laughs> I mean, now that you, you've got this win in the books, you know, kind of, uh, you know, what, what do you feel like is going to be next for you? Um, I would love, I would love the opportunity to fight per, for PFL. They treat their fighters so good. This has by far been the best treatment I've ever received from a organization. They are, I can't even like, they treat their fighters really good, and I don't have a single worry about like traveling down. Because whenever I fought for an, a lower promotion, I'm always like, "Oh my god, am I gonna afford my food? Am I gonna get to here? I'm gonna get to there. How am I gonna get to weigh-ins and or like down to my wake-up food or any of that?" They had all of that prepared, and that put so much weight off of my shoulders. Like I didn't really stress out at all. I just had to make the way in a weigh-in. So. I really, 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 really love PFL. Was it was it unique for you to be fighting in? I mean, essentially, you're just fighting in front of a, a production staff and and the people working the event. Yeah, they had some, uh, some a little a little audience as well. My boyfriend was in the audience and can hear me. The audience was all Team Helen. And the one person was my boyfriend. Go Lisa! I was like mm -hmm. laughing. But um, yeah, it was a small audience and then like the production team. I was used, I used to be so scared of cameras. I was so scared of cameras and how to like talk. I was the first day too. I was like messing up on like all my scripts and everything. And, but like after a while you get used to all those cameras being there. There's like 10 of them every freaking day. <laughs> I have so much respect for Helen though. I actually, I told her after the fight, I, I got a little emotional. <laughs> I was like, and you were talking all that shit. And then my coach is over here like, hey, don't be bringing that shit in here. I was like, okay, and I put my head down. <laughs> but like after I was telling her, I was like, you know, I've been, I've been such a big fan of yours. I've been a fan of yours since bare knuckle uh, fighting. I've been following you for so long. And she was like, oh wow. Like she was kind of, I've always been a fan of Helen. I never thought that I would ever be fighting her. You know, it's a, it's that's why I'm like it's a trip to me. Like it's crazy, but I've always been a fan of hers. I always liked the way she fought and like how tenacious she is, strong and she don't she has that I don't give a fuck mentality. You know, I'll like fucking say it to your face kind of thing. Like I've always been a big fan of hers. And of course, we so look forward, and we look forward to seeing. Maybe you get another fight in PFL. We'll look forward to seeing that. Uh, of course, uh, you know, let everybody know where uh, you know there's people that have been helping you out. Uh, you know, the friends, family, and uh, where everyone can follow you on social media. Um, it's uh, Lisa Marie on my Instagram, Lisa Marie Four, and Lisa Malden on my Facebook. <laughs> Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory in the main event of FAC number 18, third round victory. Marquella, appreciate the time. Congratulations on the victory, man. I know it's been a, little, a couple days since uh, the fight happened here. Uh, what's your overall uh, assessment uh, of how you got the victory? Um, I think it was just a lot of patience, a lot of patience. I knew that guy was like a power wrestler. Um, he comes in, double legs guys, and then the fight's over from there. Uh, 
I think it took a lot of a lot of patience on my end not to go for the finish early. Uh, I had a lot of people ask me like, "Why didn't you finish it in the second round?" Because I you can kind of tell, but it was just being patient and uh, choosing and picking my shots. All right, that that leads me to the question of is being patient a little bit of a trait that's not necessary in the uh, in the repertoire for you? Uh, nah, man. I like to finish. I like to get in, get out. All right. I mean, uh, if you ever talk to Mark, he'll he'll tell you about my past. I'm real like, well, at least when I was younger. When I was younger, I was uh, I was quick to snap. I was very emotional. I I was one of the guys I was getting in a legit fight every other week in the gym. So. I think uh, over the years, and especially me having my daughter now, it's, it's, it's brought a lot of maturity in that aspect. Is it is it a balancing act for you on, on fight night of, of you know sitting there and you know obviously you're you're waiting for you know the, the openings to where your opponent's going to give you something. I mean, you know, guys talk about it, it's like that fine line of you know you, you want to be aggressive but you don't want to kind of go too aggressive where maybe you leave yourself open. Uh, I think it's just being smart. Yeah, I think I think there is a fine line. I think. Uh, I think a, a lot of guys don't walk that fine line. I, I see you even see even the top UFC guys like he, your Michael Chandler, he'll go out there and swing and bang for three rounds when he can technically probably beat a guy, right? So it's like uh, just being present in the moment and knowing what you need to do, not not what you want to do. It, that's, I think that's it correlates to everything. I mean, if you always do what you want to do, you might not always get the best outcome, right? So. Of course, you're, you're talking about Coach Mark, Mark Matoy there at, at Factory X. Uh, how, how would you describe Mark's coaching style t- that's directed towards you? Uh, directed towards me? Uh, and if we're talking me specific, I think uh, I think me and, me and Mark are super, like, uh, we're, we're chill because he knows how I am. So I think, uh, I think the biggest thing that he always tells me is just keep, keep composure. Keep composure is the biggest thing with me. Um, I, I think besides that, it's 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 like it's it's like any other coach. I, I think me and him have a good relationship, and he know he's been training me since I was like nineteen or twenty. So he I've grown up in his gym essentially, and uh, he he knows me well for sure. So when you were back nineteen, twenty years old, getting into this game, like <laughs> how did you how did you view martial arts, and how different is it now? Man, when I was that age, I didn't, I didn't really. I mean, I didn't. I'm not gonna say I didn't care for it, but I never even knew what it was. I think I grew up in a neighborhood where fights were, you know, normal. Uh, when I would meet people and they would tell me they wouldn't get in fights, I was like, "What? You never got?" It. I used to get in fights a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, so I never thought of martial arts. I, I think I watched boxing here and there, but we didn't even have cable growing up, so it was like martial arts wasn't a thing I paid attention to. Uh, and then when I got into it, I and I realized it's not all about size and strength. And I, I got beat up a couple of times. I was like, hey, let me learn a little something. All right. So uh, when was the first street fight? My first street? Man, if we're just talking, I think my first, like, legit street fight where I was, like, some bloodshed, I think I was maybe, like, six. That's pretty early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was crazy. I, I remember the whole thing. So me and the, me and the, me and the kid fought. Uh a lot of the older kids in the neighborhood, they're kind of like egging it on. And then uh, it was crazy. So we fight or whatever, and the, the kid throws a camera. Like, uh, you know, back in the day, he had the fat, big-ass cameras, where it's like, you you know, the big cameras. He throws a camera across. It smacks me in my nose, and I start gushing everywhere. So I run up the stairs of the apartment, 
uh, it was crazy because we lived in a complex. It was maybe like a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. And the trail of blood that was from my nose all the way up to my door, it stained the stairs. <laughs> so I would see it like going, going down to school and everything. It was, yeah, it was crazy. So the AMI debuts back in 2017 and the pro debut in 2021. So when you took that amateur debut, how, how long you've actually been training in martial arts? Um, maybe about a year, maybe a little bit less than a year, maybe probably like 10 months. Cause I moved out here. I moved out here like late, I think it was late 2016 or like late to early or late to mid 2016. And then um, I met I met my uh, I didn't meet but I like I hadn't seen my dad in, in a long long time. Uh, I lived with my mom most a lot of my life, and I uh, I met him, re met him, and uh, he was he was doing that. He's a big dude. He was doing jujitsu and shit, and he kind of got me into it. Then uh, I was training at this small gym, uh, and the jujitsu instructor was like, "This is not the gym that you're gonna make it big." He was like, "If you really want to do something, you have the talent." Go check out Elevation. Go check out Factory X. And he said one other gym I can't remember. And I went into Factory X, did some open classes, and then that was it from there. So was jiu-jitsu the first love for you in terms of, of martial arts? Uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I think I think most people, especially when you get into street fights, I, I feel like you always want to learn how to knock a dude out. So I love the, I love the like, kickboxing Muay Thai for sure. And then uh, jujitsu came as a consequence to that because it was like, I mean, yeah, I can do everything on the feet, but if a dude takes you down, what are you gonna do? You know. So I, I take that as you'd much rather knock someone out than submit them. Uh, actually, no. I just I just talked to my girl today, and I was telling her, I was like, I was like, I need to get some submissions on my record because I know I can do it because I do it in the gym all the time. But there's a difference between doing it in the gym and a fight. But I do want to get some submissions on my record just to have them. Is there part of that mindset of like, I was listening to an interview with a UFC fighter and they were talking about, they're like, man, yeah, I went out there, got the win, but damn, like I, I did, I was working on all this stuff in the gym and I didn't get a chance to show it off. Do mm -hmm. you kind of look at that in a way of like, man, I know I got these submission skills. Just a lot of people just don't know what, what talent I'm at. And, and do you look at that as a good thing? Uh, yeah, I do look at it as a good thing. I feel like when a lot of guys watch my film, I don't know why, because I take down guys down all the time, and then I usually ground and pound and win, but I feel like when they look at my film, they're like, oh, he can't wrestle. So they automatically assume, I feel like that's why I get a lot of wrestling matchups, is because when guys look at my film, they're like, oh, he can't wrestle. But I don't I don't care either way. If if you that's what you feel, we can go there and I'll knock you out. But, I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat, it doesn't matter to me. Now, do you have a favorite submission that you 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 find yourself pulling off in training more more than others? Uh, yeah, but I, I'll keep that a secret. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, wh wh which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, because like you know, you know, like for me, I I love to go for an arm triangle show. Like that, that's the one I just love to go for. Right, right, right. You hey, know. man, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, but like, like I, get, I get you, you, you know, it, it, that repertoire, but like, are there sometimes when you watch fights and you see like a unique submission, you know, right. like, like say like a twister as an example, do you like, look at that and go, you know, Oh man, I could pull that off in that way. And then maybe the next day in the gym, you're like, oh, let me try to work on that while I'm, I'm rolling around. Um, I mean, over this past year, I've been watching like a lot. I mean, even in my own gym, I, I know you know who Brandon Royval is. That guy's jujitsu game is ridiculous, like crazy, crazy, crazy. 
But we even have like some amateur. There's this amateur uh, at our gym named Nick Tarkley. I think he's three and zero right now. He pulls off a, a, a twister at least every couple weeks. Yeah, so I mean, I do see those things, and I and I I take a little bit from everybody else's game, which I feel like is needed. But uh, yeah, I I I don't know nothing nothing too crazy. I, I try everything though for sure, but I I don't I don't specifically go for it, and if I don't get it, I'm not upset and shit. But I, I do go for things for sure. You know, I, I think outside looking in, people will say, oh, you know, pros want to train with pros. But I remember having a, a guy said to me, he goes, man, I love going with Amis. He goes, because they bring everything. goes, mm-hmm. they're coming at you 110% every time. So I know, like, I got to be on my A game with it, that Ami steps yeah. to the SMAR. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, it just depends. Most of my training, I mean, most of my sparring is with uh, Jacoby. I, I'm pretty, you know, Jacoby, right? Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, that's that's my main training partner. Me and him go back. We actually, so at the beginning of the year, we always do an award show at Factory X. We got Jim Ward a year last year. Me and him. I don't even know if that's like a award, but me and him go at it a lot. So, but yeah, amateurs do bring it for sure. They always bring it a thousand percent. I just it. There's certain reasons that you would go with an amateur, right? Like that, the guy Nick, he's super good at. He's a Greco. He's a Greco wrestler guy, and that would be more specific rather than twenty four seven. You know, is, is Dustin that guy that you, you find yourself like, you know, hey, that that's the guy I need to go with. That you know, just and just because he knows how to kind of bring out the best in you. Oh, when I'm in Jacoby, I'm in Jacoby Jones. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sparring Dustin Jacoby in a cage. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's too big. But uh, I do like sparring Dustin too, but I'm not getting in a cage with his big ass. Yeah, do you, you prefer to go with the smaller guys as opposed to the big? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've had like, I've had like lightweight say, like, man, I love going with, you know, 205 or just because I, I like to get, you know, deal with the size. Right. No, for sure. I think, uh, like, I fought this guy named Darren Whitney. Uh, not this last fight, but the one before, and he was like six three, six four. So actually, Dustin was one of my main uh, like sparring partners for that camp, just because you you know there's not many six three, six four guys walking around at one fifty five. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I do like going with those guys. Um, I like going with smaller guys too. I like I like switching it up because if you're going with the same guys around the same size every time, you get the same look. You you need to you need to challenge yourself a little bit, right? So. I like having those challenges, whether it be small guys with the speed, whether it be uh, bigger guys with the reach and the power, you know, I like switching it up. In terms of kind of uh, what's next for you, I mean, have you, have you started to kind of think about, you know, when you want to get back in there? Uh, I think, well, I don't, nothing's confirmed me. I haven't signed anything, but they're looking at April uh, April 16th for Fury in uh, Denver. Now... So, is it are you kind of hoping maybe you get more of a striker than a wrestler no like i said it doesn't really matter to me i don't i don't care who they put in there i just i just need a body to show up because you think about you know goals for this year what Mm -hmm. have you set some personal goals of what you want to accomplish i want to get in the ufc for sure i mean that's that's the first goal i mean that's the that's the that's the long-term goal and then you had the short short short-term goals in between right like I think my biggest goal was to get at least two or three finishes before contender series, or even if I can get that and then go in on a short notice and, uh, and do that. But, um, I, that kind of stifled me a little bit. I had fights scheduled for January and February, and then I lost opponents. And I took that fight for FAC on short notice because nobody wanted to fight the, the Tracy Rita guy. And uh, I took that on like 10 days notice. So, 
Uh, but we getting back on track, back on track. But the the long term goal is the UFC. Was was it frustrating? The best way to describe when you lost those fights? Uh, frustrating for sure. But I mean, it, it's all in the plan. I think I think my focus is more just getting better because. I, I see this a lot. I see this a lot, a lot. A lot of the guys, when they get to the UFC, it's like they, they won the Super Bowl. But the, the end goal is not to get to the UFC. It's to get in the UFC and then dominate. It, uh, it, it's crazy to me when I when I watch guys and they get, get in the UFC or they win contender series and they act like they won the Super Bowl. Yes, you got that, but it's like, man, that's like a quarter of the battle. You know what I mean? And really, the job the job only gets harder when you get there. So it's like if you're not if you're only striving just to get there, you go, you're in for a long couple of fights after that. In, in terms of uh, your personality, let, let's just say uh, you walk to uh, Factory X today, and Mark says uh, you got control of the music. What are you putting on? Yeah, I do control the music most of the time, but uh, <laughs> uh, I like I like a lot I like a lot of genres. Uh, I, when it's training, I like more more upbeat rap sometimes i'll turn on like uh occasionally i'll turn on like edm we got like jonathan martinez and el guapo in the gym so they like listening to like i don't i don't even know what the category is but whatever music they like so it just depends on the day and then you got mark and mark's definitely turning on some 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 country for sure i always say the funniest thing about jonathan is he talks about how he's more scared to do interviews than actually fight Oh yeah, and that's le- that's legitimate. We'll get coach will be like, "Hey Jonathan, break us down at the end of practice." And he's like, uh, "One, two, three, like three. <laughs> he, I'm like, "Bro, you can't whisper the uh, <laughs> the breakdown, bro." Uh, favorite app on your phone? Favorite app? Man, it shouldn't be. Uh, I'll probably get on. Oh, actually, the chess. Chess. I like playing chess. I've never learned how to play chess. Man, you gotta learn how to play some chess, man. <laughs> Actually, all the guys at the gym, if you ask most of the guys at Factory X, that's like our thing. All right, so who's who's the best chess player at Factory X? Uh, who's the best? I don't know if there's anybody who's the best, but it, I, I would say it's between me, Yusuf, and uh, Dustin Jacoby. Okay. Yeah, See, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a card game player. Okay, well, what's, your, what's your card game? Oh, spades. Oh, man. If I was... I, oh my god! If I ever see you in person and, my, and I have a deck of cards, I'm spanking you in face. I, I one of the boys I play with, he just he overbids the crap, and I and like we're playing. I'm like, you're not my partner because you overbid the hell out of every hand. <laughs> hey, that's crazy that you said you play spades. Most of the guys in the gym don't even know what spades is. I'm like, what the hell? Hey, oh, but man, if I, I ever I, see you and there's a pack of and there's a deck of cards 53 cards in reach i'm tearing you up on site look i i grew up i grew up on spades I, you know i mean back in high school man like literally that's all we did homeroom we just play spades damn man see i need to go to your high school man. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we did man you know yeah but yeah i i literally i'll, I'll sit my i've got like two different spade games on my phone i'll, I'll sit there for an hour or two Damn, so you 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 might be legit, huh? Yeah, you, the only ones that I you know it, it gets tough is if it's you know you got some jokers in there, right? And then yeah. it's like you start kind of figuring out when you start making your bid, like okay, all right, you know, which ones can I yeah. truly get? I mean, hey man, I feel like it's kind of it's kind of like a little math thing, man. You got a couple aces, and when you got those aces, you got to get them out early, and then you know. Uh, uh, and then depending on how many spades you got, you really can play. It's how you play your cards. A lot of guys, 
don't know how to play spades, but see, know. sometimes I won't necessarily throw the ace out. Like, 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 what? let's say, let's say I've got ace queen jack. Got, okay, yeah, and yeah. I, and like I might just see if someone else will throw out the first one, and then mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, okay, let me see if maybe I can win on a queen or a jack, and then I throw the ace to get that book too. I see. I always throw the ace early because it's like if I let's say I play a king, if I have an ace queen jack, like you said, if I throw if I throw the queen out and he takes it with the king, let's say somebody's cutting early and I throw the ace out, now I just wasted the ace, right? That that is the yeah. See that that comes into the point. I start sitting there going, okay, like it, like say if I only have like let's say it's diamonds. Let's say I only have yeah. three diamonds. I'm like, okay, I feel pretty good. If I try to squeeze one out, I'm still gonna get the ace in. Yeah, yeah. Or or wicked or if, but then like say if I have like six clubs, I'm like, god oh, damn, someone's gonna cut at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a game for sure. You gotta you gotta balance it out. It, it's 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 a strategy game. You know that's for what sure. it is. You know, for sure. something to clear the mind. That's what chess is for me. Just something to take the mind on every, everything. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think we, no matter what we do, I think we all need that that something that just lets us forget about. You know, when it's all going Everything. on in the world. Yeah, for sure. Especially guys, you know how we are. We just, we need to relax. And our relax is usually some type of isolation. So. Yeah, because, like, I'm not a book reader. I, I just, I, I'm just not you a book reader. I'm, not, I'm just I mean, not big I, on I it. Like a, I'm just not big on it. Like, I, I would rather listen to an audio book than actual read. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's most people I feel like. Uh, I like. I like hard copies. I like hearing no paper. But yeah. most people do audio books for sure. I don't have the attention span. I'll rewind. I listen to ten minutes and I have to rewind nine minutes and fifty seconds. So, oh I yeah, I've I've been there. Yeah, my, my wife she loves to read, but I'm just like, ah. G- give, like me, give me give me an audio book, give me a podcast. I'm much rather that way. You're a podcast guy, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure, for sure. Yeah. But uh, of course, we appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Look forward to seeing when you get back in there. Of course, uh, let me know anything. Find on social media and anything else. We'll mention, man. Uh, nothing. Tune in on uh UFC Fight Pass on Fury, April sixteenth, and watch watch some watch the show, man. And there you have my conversation with Joe Selecki, Lisa Maldine, and Marquel Medeiros. I appreciate all those fighters coming on this edition of the podcast. Of course, uh, you can also check all those interviews out. They are in video, as uh, pretty much all my interviews are done in video, so you can check that out over the MMA Report YouTube channel. Of course, if uh, you can uh, subscribe to that channel, like the videos and all that, that really does help me out a lot as well. Of course, uh, coming up on Wednesday, myself and Daniel will probably talk a little bit about UFC 285, but primarily we'll get you ready for this weekend's Mixed Martial Arts action as we got Bellator and UFC this week. You got Bellator on Friday night, and then of course the UFC show there on Saturday. Of course, Bellator will be the start of the lightweight Grand Prix, headlined by Usman Nurmagomedov, defending the Bellator lightweight title against Benson Henderson, and of course the Yamasai and Shalby in the co-main event as uh, we look in advance on to the semifinals of that Grand Prix. Also, you got a, a notable heavyweight matchup on this Bellator fight card on Friday, Linton Vassell versus Valentin Moldovsky. As I mean, I would pretty much just label that as a number one contender matchup. 
When you look at the Bellator uh, heavyweight division, to me, it is clearly the fight that whoever wins that fight would be next for Ryan Bader. As I was just kind of pulling up uh, my Bellator rankings, as uh, I've I, I talked about this on Wednesday's podcast. I now have this document up there so I can see when fighters uh, exit out there. And uh, so I have Moldovsky and Vassell at one and two at heavyweight. Then I got Tim Johnson, Steve Mowry, Daniel James, Marcel Guam, Tyrell Fortune, uh, and then so on and so forth. Of course, uh, Daniel. Daniel James got a big matchup come up here at the end of the month there. The show that's going to be there in Temecula, California. Also, Friday's car, we got the return of Michael Page taking on Gochi Yamauchi. And uh, during last week's podcast, I brought up kind of the question to Daniel Galvan of saying, like, you know, if you are Yaroslav Amosov and you kind of have a say-so in who you defend the title against next, who is it? And, of course, one of the scenarios that I brought up was the winner of this Michael Page and Gochi Yamauchi fight. Also, I brought up Jason Jackson, also brought up Lynn Slarkin. I kind of feel like if you're Jason Jackson, you're probably hoping for a Gochi Yamauchi win to potentially solidify himself, maybe, as the next guy, I think Chase Jackson has done the work to get that title matchup, but I do believe if Michael Page goes out there and gets the win, I got to think that Page would likely be next for Yaroslav Amosov. Uh, looking at some other uh, notable fights on the prelims for this Bellator car, you got Enrique Barzola taking on Eric Perez. Uh, that That is one fight that definitely sticks out to me. In terms of prospects, there's a prospect that I'll tell you you got to pay attention to on this card. That is Bobby Serrano the third. That is someone to pay attention to. He's only three and zero, a bantamweight out of California. He is a guy, and I believe Bellator has him under a multi-fight deal. So he is definitely one person to stay in there. And then, of course, on Saturday we got to UFC Fight Night Jan versus Las Vili as uh, the. This is an earlier fight card um, on a Saturday. So, it'll be live from Las Vegas. So it'll be in front of fans there uh, at the uh, the Virgin Hotel. With the theater at the Virgin Hotel. Uh, prelim start at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Main car starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll not be around for the prelims. Actually, uh, going to a spring training game with a couple buddies of mine. So, But I should be around by the time the main card uh, gets around. Of course, Jan and Dvavich feel a huge matchup in the 135-pound division. Uh, also, you got Volkov versus Romanov. That should be an interesting one. That's that's one of those fights that, I, you know, in and my buddy Pete Rogers, he's you know I joke with him about being the fan of the Alexander Romanov fan club, but I think if we're if you're looking at the potential criticisms of Romanov, to me, it has to be about that gas tank, and I, and I think this is a very interesting test against Volkov, and uh, you know especially if that fight gets to middle middle, late second, third round, does Romanov have the gas tank to go potentially 15 minutes against a vet like Alexander Volkov? Uh, also, you got Nikita Kryloff, Ryan Spann as part of this fight card. Of course, that match was supposed to take place two weeks ago. Gets canceled on fight day due to, uh, I want to say it was a food poisoning issue for Nikita Kryloff. So now, as I'm looking at topology, it's only listed as a three-round fight. Of course, it was supposed to be a five-round fight on there. Also, uh, some other uh, matchups that do stick out to me. Uh, Saeed Nurmaga made off Jonathan Martinez. You heard uh, Marco Materos talk a little bit about Jonathan Martinez as that's one of his training partners there at Factory X. Uh, Davey Grant versus Rafael Sunset was another one uh, that does stick out to me. Uh, Mario Batista, uh, Guido Canetti is a definitely another matchup 
that does stick out to me. And uh, my guy Tyson Nam's on this car as well. He's taking on Bruno Silva, man. It's, I've been interviewing Tyson Nam for, Jesus, probably eight, nine years. Uh, and, uh, of course, we all know the power that he has. Of course, uh, this fight car was initially supposed to have Anthony uh, Smith versus Jamal Hill. Of course, that was before Jamal Hill got his title match up there and uh did uh did see the uh, i saw it on instagram that jamal hill and yuri prohachka did do a face-off and uh you would imagine that's uh, you know if he's healthy that would be the route that the ufc would want to go is with jamal hill's first title defense to be there against yuri prohachka but time is going to tell if that is going to happen or not but uh obviously should be another uh fun and interesting week in the world of mma and i I'll, this is the flat out brutal honest truth until I got a marketing email for Bellator, I had forgot there was a Bellator card this week. And and that's on me. I mean, it's probably just me just not really, you know, thinking about it. But, uh, yeah. And I mentioned on last Wednesday's podcast, a little hat tip to MMA fan. Uh, if you're like me and you're a Paramount Plus subscriber, that bundle deal with Showtime, where you just pay, just pay $2 more to get the Showtime. And it's, uh, yeah. Hat tip to MMA fan. That's uh, definitely a great deal to take advantage of. But I appreciate everyone taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, if you can leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting platform, would much appreciate that. And huge thanks goes out to Joe Selecki, Lisa Maldine, and Marco Maderos for coming on this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, myself and Daniel will have a podcast coming up here on Wednesday. I'll get uh, Daniel's take on what he saw at UFC 285 and of course then we'll get into this weekend's mma of course the ufc and bellator also pfl has their challenger series coming up on friday night as well of course they do those shows about uh, about 90 minutes away from me over there at universal studios and most notably to me on that card will be impa kasaganai is on that fight card so you got to imagine if impa can go out there and get the win gotta think he finds his way into the light heavyweight tournament for the pfl coming up here in 2023 so that's going to do it for this edition of the mma report podcast which comes out two times a week on your favorite podcasting platform and radioinfluence.com <laughs>